Welcome to the Good Question with Jessica Tanderup podcast. I'm Jessica, and I have a passion for asking hard questions and going deep in conversation. Usually, these discussions happen over dinner or coffee with a close friend. But on this podcast, I bring them to you because I want you to know if you have questions, you're not alone. On this show, I invite apostolic leaders, thinkers, and fellow believers to tackle the tough topics questioners face as we strive to live out our biblical mandate to love God, love people, and take the gospel to the whole world here in the 21st century. I hope you'll stick around because when you know Jesus is the answer, every question can be a good question. Hey there, friends. Welcome back to season two. I cannot even believe we are already halfway through this missions-focused season. I hope these episodes are blessing you as much as they are blessing me. If they are and you would like to support what we're doing here at Good Question, you can click on the links in the show notes or the show description to the two places we have available for donations right now. That's our Buy Me A Coffee site and our AIM Text to Give site with Global Missions. We appreciate everyone who has gone over and donated there. It is truly a blessing to us, and I know God will bless you in return. Today on the podcast, I'm chatting with Dennis Euchre. Dennis and his wife, Amy, and their son, Elliot, are based in Latvia. But as you'll hear in this conversation, their goal is to further the spread of the gospel by training and sending missionary teams into strategic locations throughout Eastern Europe. Brother Euchre talks about how his secular college degree and career path were able to enhance his transition into missions, about how strategic planning and following the leading of the Spirit must go hand in hand, and what happens in an individual on the mission field when they become desperate for God to move. Brother Euchre has an energy that is contagious. I know you're gonna leave this conversation energized to see the kingdom of God flourish like never before. Dennis Euchre, we are so excited to have you on the podcast today. It's really great to be here. Thank you for this opportunity. I'm just really looking forward to these questions and getting to share some of the things that God has taught us over the years. Well, we're excited to have you. I'll let you just jump in and introduce yourself. Tell us about who you are. um, And if you want to lead that right into your story of being called to missions, go for it. Okay. Well, I actually, I grew up in home missions in South Dakota. And um, I had family members that were missionaries overseas from my mother's side of the family. And so when I was young, I mean, we, we always had missions was always part of our family. I have a picture of a missionary map, the global missions missionary map on the wall of our house. And it's at eye level to a three-year-old. And I was oh, three years wow. old. My sister was four. And we're there praying for the missionaries. And my mom had a, my mother kind of brainwashed us to love missions, if you will. <laughs> so we had the missionary map there. Our bedtime stories were by people like Nona Freeman. I mean, there were missionary books. And so we always had a heart for missions. And of course, my aunt and uncle were in Africa. It it was one of those things where, you know, we loved missions, but I really did not have a plan on being a missionary. Yeah. As I grew up, my plan was that, you know what? I am going to get a good degree in college. I'm going to get a good job. I'm going to just, I'm going to be a giver to missions. That was my plan. Mm -hmm. And so now my sister, she was, I mean, when a missionary came to our church, she would be crying. She'd give all her allowance in the offering. You know? <laughs> just, she was ready to go right now. And, and so when she was actually 18, 19 years old, she spent time in Africa. She spent, I know, 10 months in Taiwan. Um, she was part of the AIM program. And she was doing that while I was going to college and getting my degree. Well, there, there really came a time where I got to began to deal with me. And I, I did something that's, that's uh, kind of dangerous, but I encourage every young person to do this. And I basically said, Lord, these are the best years of my life, and I give them completely to you. Mm. And so, you know, if you're, I mean, I'm a giver, I'm faithful, I go to church, you know, I'm working hard, I'm giving. If you want me to just keep doing that, I'm okay with that. But if you have something more, then I'm available. And would you believe it, but God had something else. Mm -hmm. So I have, I've learned over the years that it's kind of like, you know, we have a plan. But we can find out sometimes that God has an even better plan. Yeah. And you can absolutely trust him with everything in your life, the biggest decisions. You know, he created us for a purpose and he, you know, he, he died for us and he, he didn't do all that. So, that, you know, just to leave us and abandon us afterward. You know, it's kind right. of, okay, great. Now you're, now you're saved and, uh, you know, I'll see you in eternity. <laughs> you know, it's right. Like, it's not like that. It's all about relationship. 
And he wants to walk with us and talk with us and share with us. And um, one of the questions I ask myself, um, I don't ask you this of myself. One of the questions I say just about every day is I just say, I say, Lord, what do you want to do today? Mm. So it, it's because... Um, I will have a plan. And like today, I have a list of calls of people I need to talk to. I've got emails I need to write. I've got um, a whole bunch of other projects and things I need to work on, things I need to study. But yet, I want to make sure I make time and say, Lord, what do you want to do today? Because I have a plan. But if you've got something you want me to do, I'm available to change the plan. Because Mm -hmm. it's your kingdom. And I just want to work with you and walk with you. And I want to be in your will every day. So I guess getting back to how did I get into missions? So like I said, my plan was, was not to be a missionary. So I did not go to Bible school. I mean, every other adult in my family went to Bible school. (laughs) Uh, My wife today, she went to Bible school. Her parents went to Bible school. My parents, her parents and my parents both met in Bible school. They Mm. all met in Bible school. Her brother and sister, my sister, everybody went to Bible school except for me. (laughs) Um, I I went to a secular university and got a degree in computer science. And I also got another degree in psychology. And that's a whole nother amazing story. But essentially, you know, I had this job and uh, I'm thinking like, you know, I'm not trained for ministry and all those kinds of things. But I said, Lord, if you know, you'll have to take me on the path. You know exactly what I need to learn. And so just open the door and I'll go for it. Mm. And so God just began to open doors. And so I had, God had really done a lot of miracles in leading up to me getting the degree I got into getting the job I got. And so then he opened the door for missions. Essentially, I was able to take my job and work over the Internet. Mm. And uh, so for the next 12 years, I, uh, I was able to go and I, I preached youth camps. I taught Bible school. I pastored churches. I did things that I had never done before. I remember getting a call and they said, hey, brother, um, we need you to come pastor this church in Europe. And uh, we need you here right away. And I had <laughs> never passed anything. Oh, my. I mean, I'd never been a youth pastor. I had never pastored anything. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, and I'm a single guy. Right. Oh, wow. And I'm like. I'm like, Lord, what if I have to do marriage counseling? <laughs> you, know, <laughs> you know, what am I going to do here? But God is faithful. And you just, you know, it's like even with all those, you know, questions we have for him, you know, we still go for it and he's got answers. Yeah. And so on that journey, it really just, um, it really was a blessing, you know, just to, to look back at it and to see just, you know, the Lord, we talk about how he's loving and all of these attributes of the Lord. He's also really smart. Yeah. And he just has a lot better idea than we do of, about what's good for us and even the talents and abilities we have. He knows things that he put in us since we were born and he wants to see us use them for his glory and he wants to bring them out of us. And we just sometimes just need to give him an opportunity to do that. Yeah, I think I think sometimes he's he put things in us when we were young that maybe we even grow up and we get on to whatever path that we think we're going to be on and we kind of even forget about those things. I know that's that was the case for me that I was kind of like your sister. I was always touched by missionaries and would want to give to everyone that we encountered, you know. But then as I grew up and it just kind of faded into the background as I went about getting a degree and then marrying my husband and he was in the army. And it just kind of was like, okay, well, that was a cool idea, but I guess that's not where we're going to go. And then all of a sudden God turns everything upside down and says, no, like that desire that was in your heart as a child, like that's that's still what I want you to do. Right. I just think it's really cool. He, he, he lets us, he, he can take every one of us on such a unique path to get us to where he needs yeah. us to be. Yeah. That's what I'm hearing through all of these interviews that we've done for this season of the podcast. Everyone has a different story of how they got to into position for what God wanted them to do. And some of them, it was a traditional path of going to Bible college and, you know, getting ministry experience and others. It's kind of just kind of like a Hey, guess what? <laughs> now you're going to shift focus and you're going to go somewhere you didn't expect to go. The other thing that I love about your story, and we heard you recently um, share this at our church and you just shared it again. And my husband and I just looked at each other and laughed because you mentioned the the idea in your mind of just getting a good job and giving to missions. And that is a recurring theme. That was exactly our mindset um, when we were first married and when we interviewed Baron Carson, last season on the podcast, who's he's in France, um, he yes. shared the exact same thing. And it just makes me laugh because I'm thinking like, we all had such great plans for how we were going to work our jobs and make some money and give to missions. And the Lord's like, hey, <laughs> what if you come yourself? <laughs> it, it is so neat. And 
just, you know, you were just what you were talking about a few minutes ago, the Lord will plant those seeds, I think, in some of us when we're young. And, you know, and then we have this, this path we're going through, but, but he planted those in us when we were young. And then later on, he kind of brings us back to that. I think mm-hmm. as long as we stay faithful and committed to him, he'll bring us back to some of those things. And so I really believe that me having this job was, at, was part of his plan. Mm-hmm. And so at the right time, when I had established myself at that company, then he says, okay, now I've got more. Yeah. And so then at that point, I had enough leverage with my employer and all that where I could go work overseas. And actually, the internet had developed enough I could do that too. Right, right. And so I, here I am running around the world, you know, and I just look back at it and, and, I, and I just think, you know, God really just had a great plan. I mean, I, there's times I'm crossing borders into access challenge nations and they're questioning me and asking me, you know, who do you work for? What do you do? You know, where's your company located? All these questions. And I could sit there all day and tell them about my employer. Right. And it was, <laughs> it was not the church organization. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I was there doing missions, but I didn't have to talk about that because they're just asking me, asking me about my job that pays the bills. Right. So God, for that time he had, I mean, he knew exactly what he was doing. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. He, like you said, he's so smart. He, he sees so many steps ahead of where we are and he's putting all these pieces in place that once we get there, we're like, oh, I see why that happened and I see why I made that decision. And yeah, he's amazing. And he'll take, you were talking about talking to uh, Baron Carson and I just think that's kind of, he'll find people that have commitment. If you're committed to something, he can take that and use that. Mm. And and we find that even overseas when we're trying to reach uh, people like in Eastern Europe, um, a lot of the people who become our national leaders are university students, people that like are becoming doctors, for example, mm. because who has committed themselves to a medical program, they have the commitment level that when they become, uh, you know, a disciple of Jesus, that commitment will transfer to doing the ministry. Mm. And I just think of the Apostle Paul kind of like that, too. He had all this zeal and God looked at that and was like, I can use that. Yeah, yeah. I love that. That's, I think that's a great way for us to approach seeing the best in people. You know what I mean? When you mentioned the Apostle Paul, like there were so many people in the early church who were so skeptical of him with great reason. Like they they weren't just like, you know, (laughs) fearful for no reason. They had reason to be concerned. Um, But God looked past the way he was applying that zeal and said, I can use that for the exact opposite purpose. I think it's so good for us to keep in mind when we're engaging with people that we think are so opposite from us. You know, if a person has qualities of, like you said, commitment, passion, even like the personality to reach other people with whatever message they're carrying, if we can just get them the right message, God can use them. That's right. And he can lead us to, I I can tell so many stories about that, about people that he's, he's brought me to, you know, there's those, those key people that maybe you win that one, but they go win a thousand. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the things we do overseas is we have to always pray and ask God, lead us to key people. Lord, Mm -hmm. give us favor with the governments and things like that. But also, Lord, you know where the people are. They have a heart for you. They're hungry for you. But they're also the key people to the future of this nation. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, we are, I mean, we're going there, but we're not, we're not from there. Mm -hmm. And so it's a little bit different, but you, you want to establish people so deeply in their walk with God that if if something happened and every one of us from the United States and Canada had to leave the mission field, would there still be a church there? Mm. You know, would it still be going forward? Would it still be reproducing and growing generation after generation? And it's just really neat to see that when that starts happening, it's just, it's how God wants it to happen. And uh, we just pray and ask him to lead us to these kinds of people. Yeah. It requires a level of humility too, of saying, this is really not about me at all. One of the episodes that we've released is talking about Access Challenge Nations. And our guest, uh, one of the points that she makes is, you know, my name can't ever be known. I, I, It's literally dangerous for my name to be known, but it's not about my name anyway. It's about making the name of Jesus known. And I think we can get so caught up in ambition um, in ministry and not and lose track of the the fact that it's not about our name at all. Like you said, if we have to pack up and leave tomorrow, what's happening here is bigger than me. And I need to make sure that I'm equipping people to do this work if I can't do it. I think that applies in every aspect of ministry, actually, <laughs> even in our churches here. It's not about the pastor's name. It's not about who's 
over whatever ministry is this is the work of God going to continue without me? You're right. I remember back in uh, something related to that in 2004. I, this is when God was really starting to move me into missions. And I was at a general conference and I picked up this brochure in the global missions area and I was kind of flipping through it. And I was not really, I mean, I didn't know a lot about how the missions program worked. But one thing I remember from that brochure that stood out to me is it said a good missionary will work their way out of a job. Mm. That's kind of like what we're trying to do. Yeah. Is, uh, we, you know, we want to do everything we can so that really we make ourselves obsolete, if you will. Yeah. You know, that's kind of our mission. It's kind of, you know, that's, this may be the only, I mean, in the secular world, they, they say, well, make yourself where you're essential. Right, right, you know? right. In this, in the secular world, it's like, oh, you need to make it where they have to pay you and they have to keep you there and they can't, you know, right. and make yourselves essential. And in our case, it's more like make yourselves where you're not essential. Yeah. And the work of God would just keep going forward without you. Yep. It's that upside down kingdom, right? Like. Yes, it is. He turns everything upside down. Hmm. So you guys are now in Eastern Europe in Latvia, correct? Yes. All right. So tell me a little bit about that. I don't know a whole lot about Latvia. So what are some of the the challenges that you guys have there? What are some of the successes that you're seeing? Okay. So uh, my you heard my background. I was raised in South Dakota in home missions. My wife was actually raised in El Salvador. So okay. Latvia is a long way from either of our homes <laughs> where we come yeah. from. And it really was part of the journey that, that God put me on because in the 12 years when I was working a secular job and doing missions work, you know, part-time, I went through about 50 different countries and I got to be part of a lot of different things, a lot of different cultures, and God just taught me a lot along the way. But along that way, at one point, he gave me a vision for a training program that we could do because there are, it would be kind of a prideful of me to, to look at all this work and think I could just do it by myself. Mm. <laughs> it's just not, it's not possible. We have to find a way to take what God has put into us and multiply ourselves and put it into other people. Right. You know, in Second Timothy 2 and 2, Paul is talking to Timothy and he's telling Timothy, go find trustworthy, capable, faithful people and put these principles into them. You know, and these are people that are capable of teaching others and making other disciples. Mm -hmm. And so you actually find four generations being mentioned in one verse. Paul is telling Timothy to find people who can teach other people. And so, you know, we want to, we don't want to just tell people, well, you need to do that, but we need to actually do it ourselves. Right. Looking at, at missions, and, and this is the part of Eastern Europe that used to be a former, the former communist countries. There's mm. actually 29 now. And the number kind of changes sometimes because some of these countries will have kind of uh, like Yugoslavia. You, I think it's broken up now into maybe like five different countries. Mm. And so some of them are kind of new. But so there's 29 right now. And you know, we look at that area and it's kind of like one of the last frontiers of missions. It's an area that until the Berlin Wall fell, we really could not get over there. And then even after it fell, it, it took some time for us to try to get something going in some of these places. And so you go into to that area. It's like I said, it's kind of like a new frontier of missions. Yeah. And, and it's also the people there because of communism and, and some of the things they have dealt with. They don't trust people so easily. They don't just trust an outsider to come in and just, you know, they're not just going to listen to what you say <laughs> just because right. you're not from there. And, and so it takes time to build relationships and it takes, we just need a lot of laborers in that area. and so. I really, I can't tell the whole story. It's really just, it's amazing though, all the details of how God has guided us and directed us. But my wife and I, when we were, uh, we were filling in for missionaries in different parts of the world. And my missionary supervisor was, his name was Brother Monty Showalter. And he's a global missionary evangelist. And he's also the director of campus ministries for globally. Mm. And so then I worked with him. I was his assistant in that. And so one of the things he said, he said, I want you to go to Latvia and spend a few weeks there. Well, I must have missed the memo, memo about a few weeks. <laughs> and I, uh, we stayed for three months. And while we were there, we basically were part of, my wife and I planted a church in about, it took us about seven weeks. We set a goal. We set a whole schedule for it. And we really got involved with some things there. And we began to see the potential of that being like an area where we could train people to send them out from. Mm. Like I said, there's a lot of details that I can't necessarily talk about. But essentially, we went there with the purpose of bringing people in and equipping them and sending them out. That would be mm -hmm. kind of like our training ground. And there was also a team. It wasn't just us. There were some other missionaries in the same area who had the same vision. And so all of us working together, we could, you know, we could effectively train people and send them out. 
and support them. And uh, we had to multiply ourselves because even today, like right now, in those 15 countries that were formerly in the Soviet Union, like I said, there's 29 that were communists, but there's 15 that were in the former Soviet Union. And that's our, our primary target area. And those 15 countries, I believe we have six missionaries right now. Oh, wow. So there's more than two countries per person, <laughs> per missionary family, wow. missionary unit. And right. And so we look at that and we're like, okay, there's a lot of work to do here. Yeah. And we've had some of the, I mean, a couple of years ago, you know, we had some retire. And so we've been working to basically bring a whole new generation of missionaries and people to go into those areas. It's a Latvia, like I said, a former communist country. Now, Latvia is, the people there are very introverted. They, they don't want to look at you. They don't want to smile. They really, one of the Latvians who, one of the first Latvians who got converted, he said he's convinced that every Latvian, he says, they have to have a Bible study. It's going to take time. You know, you're just not, Latvians are not going to walk into the church door and get the Holy Ghost the first mm. time they walk in. Like, it's going to take some time. Mm. So, and he was pretty adamant about that. And then one Sunday, he and his wife were out about 45 minutes before service, and they saw a lady walking her dog, and they invited her to church. And she came to the church and got the Holy Ghost the first time she came in. Oh, wow. And he told me, this is what he said. He said, God shocked me today. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't think it was possible that, that a Latvian could actually get the Holy Ghost the first time they come to the church service. You know? <laughs> and so we have found since then, though, that, that Latvians can actually get the Holy Ghost on park benches. They can get it outside. <laughs> uh, God can do amazing things. And... It's just, you know, it's the power of the gospel and it's walking in faith. And so, like I said, it's a more reserved uh, people, you know, but it's, it's, uh, it's the country that we're basing out of. And so we work with um, about a third of the country identifies themselves as Russian. And so we have some of our aimers and workers that come there. They study the Russian language. Actually, I would say more of them study Russian than study Latvian okay. because Latvia does have its own language. All these former Soviet countries, they all pretty much have their own language yeah. And so some of them are trying, they're trying to go back to their language. And so right. it makes it really tricky doing missions hmm. because like in Latvia, okay, during the Soviet days, every school child, everybody's forced to speak Russian. Everything's in Russian. All the media is in Russian, all that. Right. And so then after, after that happened, after 40 years of that, then they, they get free and then they go back to, okay, now we're going to go back to the Latvian language. Right. And we don't like Russian. Okay. But everybody knows Russian, right? <laughs> and so they've actually, in Latvia, they have adopted the Scandinavian school system. And so the same one that's used like in Denmark and Sweden and Norway. And so now all the kids are learning English as a second language. Okay. So it's an interesting thing. Like if you go to Latvia right now, if anyone is over the age 35, they probably know Russian. And if they're under age 35, they probably know English. Wow. And so you've got to kind of, it's kind of like, what demographic are you trying to reach? Or, or you know, it, it, it's a, but some of the ones that know Russian don't want to speak it just because mm. they have some really hard. Right. So wow. you've got to get those waters. When people get the Holy Ghost, they're willing to get together and do things. <laughs> you know, I guess what I'm saying is when you're trying to bring cultures together, because a lot of times when we think of like minority cultures, we're not thinking like, uh, we're not thinking Russians. I mean, in Latvia, I guess what I'm saying is it's, it's like, if you were to look at all the people, you would probably, you'd be, I don't know that most Americans could pick out who's a Latvian and who's a Russian. Right. Okay. We probably, uh, you know, we're thinking like, well, there's no, where's people from Asia or Africa? Because right. Europe is mostly, has a lot of people from all over the world, right? A lot of people from Asia and Africa, but in Eastern Europe, you don't really find that. Okay. Yeah. But you, if you, if you talk to them, they say, oh, we've got lots of, uh, you know, we're very multicultural. What do you mean? Well, we have Russians here. <laughs> <You know>? <laughs> <laughs> they're like, oh, okay. And so there, there's actually, there's still Russian language schools and things like that, but the government is trying to get rid of them. Uh, so it's kind of a, it, it creates a little bit of a cultural conflict. Okay. So the point I was, I was trying to get there, if I have a point, is that, <laughs> is that when you're doing a church service, if you're doing it in Latvian and English, let's say, uh, and then all of a sudden you decide, you know, let's sing a song in Russian because we have Russian speaking people here. Uh, people might walk out. Right. And so you've got it. But once they have the Holy Ghost, they're probably not going to walk out right. <laughs> initially. Okay. If it's the first time, if it's the first time a Latvian comes to a church service and you do something in Russian, it could be highly offensive. You right. Know? Yeah. But you, so you almost have to have like a separate Russian service, you know, and then, and then when you can bring, but when you have a national conference, you can bring everybody together and everybody knows in advance that there's going to be translation into Russian, you know, and they're not going to get their feelings hurt over it. Yeah. And so 
it, it's just that, you know, if, it, if it's a brand new person, they could be surprised by that. Yeah. And it's just something, it's just one of those things that, that you have to navigate over there. Yeah. But this gospel, the gospel is the same no matter where you go in the world. It's, we have to be wise in how we apply it and how we communicate it to each culture. Yeah. And make sure, like you said, we're not doing something that causes offense in the flesh that prohibits someone then from receiving what they need. Because the Spirit does help us with all of those things. Wow, that's really interesting. And I'm sure that there are places in the world where similar dynamics play out that we here in North America just don't know about because we're so, you know, we're, we only know what we know and we know our own, our own um, issues in our own communities that might cause, you know, some sticky situations in our services. But that kind of thing is happening everywhere. That's so interesting. It's, I, I definitely encourage, when I'm teaching mission students, I encourage them to study cultural anthropology and just get to know the major culture types of the world. And I, can, I have books I can, can suggest. I have different topics I suggested for them to study. And it's just something, it's, it's kind of like, you know, when you understand how God made people and how they think and their cultural background, it just brings so much clarity and understanding. And it just, it will help you so much in communicating with them. Yeah. And we, we just, that's our job. As missionaries, just because I'm a missionary doesn't mean I'm the best preacher or even the best teacher. It's the same gospel everywhere in the world. My job is to communicate that gospel to this culture. Mm. And God has given me the ability to do that. And I need to do that. Yeah. And uh, that's, that's our mission right there. Yeah. That's so cool. So you were talking about how you set up Latv- the church in Latvia specifically to be a training ground to send people out into other areas. And so I don't, I didn't, we didn't have this on our list of things to talk about, but I want to hear a little bit on your, on your opinion, your thoughts about the balance of using like strategic planning and following the spirit. How do those things blend together for you as you, because I think what I'm hearing you say is like, we have to be strategic about this. We can't just show up and expect that one missionary family is just going to magically be able to reach, you know, two plus countries on their own. We need some strategy. We need some planning for this. How does that meld with then not just becoming a problem to solve? Does that make sense? Right. It does. So, okay, there's, there's like the balance there, if you will. Like I said, we have to make a plan, but we also have to be sensitive to the Lord and be in prayer and see what doors he opens up. Right. And so what will happen is, you know, we are going to be intentional and we're trying to train, let's say, North Americans to go reach some of these people. But ideally, it would be better if we could train Eastern Europeans to do it. Right. Right. And because really, the, we, we, we pray and we ask God, God, lead us to those key people, those people who will be the apostle to these nations. And so that is, um, you know, he does that. And so sometimes a door will open up in a city that, you know, we have a list of target cities. We have to set, uh, we have one year, two year, three year, five year, 10 year plans and goals for basically every country in the world mm. and in global missions. I mean, we have a strategic plan for every single country in this world. And so we'll have that down. But if God opens up a door we're not expecting, or he closes the door, mm. we're going to walk in and go with what he opens up. Gotcha. And if I could give just like a, I just something that just popped in my head is like almost like a small example. Uh, we had a couple of our students that were praying with people in one of the parks in Riga, the capital of Latvia. And they see this boy who's, you know, about 14 years old sitting on a park bench and uh, they begin to talk to him. And he is severely depressed. He doesn't have any friends. He's basically suicidal. Mm. And he was kind of at the end of his line. And he had gotten on a bus and come to the capital city. And he was just sitting there in the park, just trying to figure out what, he, what his next move was going to be. And it wasn't going to be good. Mm. And they begin to talk to him. And God began to do something there. And he ends up receiving the Holy Ghost. And so then he invites them. He said, well, can you come to my hometown and, and maybe teach me a Bible study? Well, his hometown is some little village that, you know, if we're making a list of the top 50 cities to reach in Latvia, his village would not even be on that top 50 list. Mm. You know what I mean? It's just way too small. It's just one little spot on the road on the bus route going to a bigger city, mm. you know? So we were able to, so these, you know, these young workers, they were able to go there and they taught him a Bible study and they kind of joked and they said, he led us to the water because they're talking about water baptism. And he said, well, there's a river right over here. Just follow me. <laughs> So they go there and, and he gets baptized and then his, then he goes and introduces them to his brother and God begins to open up a door there. And so it's one of those things where, like I said, you know, we can have a strategic plan for this city and we're going to do this on this day and all that. But when God opens up a door like that, you just say, okay, this is where the hungry hearts are at. Yeah. 
and we're going to follow up on that, you know? And yeah. so it's, like, it's a combination of, of, you know, being intentional, having a plan, but also just making sure we talk to God. But if I could get biblical for a minute, minute yeah, here. <laughs> for sure. We look at Joshua and he's standing at the, you know, outside of Jericho and the Lord, the commander of the Lord is there. And basically Joshua talks to God and God gives him the plan. I mean, the walking around Jericho for seven days and all the things they did, that was not Joshua's plan. That was God's plan. God told right. him exactly what to do. And so they did it and a miracle happened and the walls fell down and they took Jericho, right? Yeah. Okay. So then immediately after that, we find they go to AI. Joshua does not talk to God about AI. They just go to do it and they end up losing. Right. So then he talks to God and God tells him what to do. He says, there's, well, God tells him there's sin in the camp because right. Joshua had not talked. So then Joshua, Joshua asks God, where's this? You know, God helps him find out where the sin is at. They take care of it and then they go get AI. And then I think it's in Joshua chapter six. It's right after that. The Gibeonites show up and they have mm-hmm. their, their moldy bread and their <laughs> war out and whatever they got, you know? Yep. And the Bible says, it says, and Joshua did not consult the Lord. Joshua, right. And so he's deceived because it says right in there, he did not talk to God about this. <laughs> you know I mean? And so then they get deceived. And so it's, it's one of those things where, you know, we can be militant and evangelistic and we're wanting to go out and, and, you know, reach cities and take, you know, the word of God everywhere. But we need to make sure we're talking to God about these things. Yeah. And every step along the way, every city we go to, everything we're doing, it's, it's his kingdom. And we just need to make sure we keep talking to him about it and have that balance. Yeah. That, and that continual conversation and sensitivity to the spirit allows something like you said, where you just notice somebody in the park and you're able to connect with them and the gospel is able to go to a place that wasn't on your list. You know what I'm saying? Like I'm thinking about the church in Denmark. One of the things that Pastor Chris Brett mentioned was, you know, they came into Denmark, they started this church and their mindset was we're here to minister to Danes. Like that's what we're here for. And the Lord has opened up these doors into all of these other communities from other nations of people who have come into Denmark as refugees, as workers, you know, people that have just moved in from for multiple reasons. But it's, they've been, like you said, those key strategic people that are hungry and that are willing and they get connected to the gospel in Denmark and then the word spreads, right? And it's just, it's so cool to me that, that God puts people in the right place. You know, this young man that you mentioned, like no one was going to go to him but God let him find you. You know what I mean? Like, it's just, that's just so cool. Just being in the right place at the right time. And there's a place there in the Capitol called the Freedom Monument. And so we'll have a group of our, our missions workers will stand, they'll sing and the spirit of God will move and we'll draw people. And so those of us like me who do not sing very well, <laughs> um, I do my best to make a joyful noise, <laughs> but, but I like to pray for people. <laughs> so... <laughs> So people come around and they're listening to the singing, I might get a chance to talk to some of them. Right. You know, and, we, and we've had people that, like I said, were, were uh, at the end of the line and people that had all kinds of things that, you know, one young lady, you know, she had already tried to take her life and she, was try- and she had failed and she was trying to figure out how to do it again. Mm. And she ended up getting the Holy Ghost and getting baptized and getting to the church. And she was one of those that was just out there in that park when the spirit of God was moving. I mean, there's multiple mm. stories like this in that part of the world. Yeah. God is awesome. Well, we talked about this a little bit as we started, but <laughs> social media and the internet have impacted everyone's lives and everyone's work. But how is it impacting the way that you guys are ministering in this area of the world? Well, um, the last couple of years, <laughs> we've definitely relied a lot on the internet to be able to do things. Uh, things are, are very, very strict over in Europe. Mm. And the restrictions can change from week to week. We just, we had a span of eight months in Latvia where we could not legally be in someone else's home mm. or legally have someone in our car. Oh, wow. And so, but we would find ways. I mean, hey, guess what? You start having park services. Yeah. The Spirit of God can go outside. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> that. <laughs> and uh, so, but with social media, uh, the internet, there's so many ways of looking at it. Um, we're able to stay connected and you know, we've been able to, we, I, I have teams in different countries. And so I'm able to have monthly meetings. I can join their services. Like our team in Warsaw, Poland, 
I can join their service on a Sunday. I can join the service of the team in Moldova. I can mm. join the service of different cities in Latvia. Uh, I can join them. I could even minister there. They could even minister to us sometimes. It yeah. just depends on the way it goes. And and it's really been, um, you know, we've, we've definitely used it. Okay, so then in Latvia, when the restrictions started with COVID, some of our young missions workers started doing something called life groups mm. on Zoom. It was basically a Bible study in disguise. <laughs> but they realized... There's a lot of depressed people out there that are locked in their homes, basically, or they're not supposed to be running. They go out for a walk, but they can't, they're not supposed to talk to anybody and all that. And so they, they so word of mouth got around, and we had people we never even met. We don't know how they found out. They began to join the Zoom calls. Mm. And people started getting the Holy Ghost on Zoom. Mm. And so it's been really neat to see how God has opened that up. But even uh, even using social media for advertising, we've we've done that. Before COVID happened, uh, with our English clubs, for example, like in Poland, I remember in January of 2020, right before COVID came, uh, we were in Warsaw, Poland, and there was a they were having English club. Our aimers were having an English club at, on the second story of a Starbucks there. The whole like second floor, the manager of the Starbucks was letting them use it for free to have English clubs. Mm. And there was a there was um, I remember the, there were 16 people that day there at the club, and they had all. How did they find out about it? Well, through social media. Huh. And so our aimers who they don't have a marketing budget, <laughs> but, they yeah. were able to get, but the word gets out, people start sharing and people come to the English club. And then, so some of the first people that they started having Bible studies with came in through that. Matter of fact, I'd say just about all, I think, I think all of them did. And it's really neat too. That kind of leads to another thing is that God starts connecting us with people who already have the Holy ghost. Oh, okay. It's really something that's happened a lot lately. These are people that some of them may even be, uh, well, I won't tell you where they, their background is exactly. But they may come from places where, um, you know, they, they have a hunger for God and they've been studying the word of God. Mm. And so it's like the Holy Ghost has connected them to us so they can have a Bible study and come to full truth. Wow. And so that's another thing we pray. We say, God, you know where these people are at. You know, they're yeah. kind of like our Cornelius, you know, someone who's devout, who's a person of prayer. And or the Ethiopian eunuch who's, yeah. you know, reading the word of God and just needs someone to teach him a Bible study. And so we're like, God, you know where these people are at. I mean, we're going to go out there. And we're going to do what Paul did in Acts 17 in Athens. Paul was out there in the market just trying to find anyone who would listen to him. We do that too. Okay. But at the same time, we're going to pray and say, God, you know exactly where these people are at, who are reading your word, who are in prayer, who are talking to you. Please connect us to them and help us to be aware You know that that we're not just going through our life. Oh, I'm going to the grocery store. I'm going to the pharmacy. I'm going to the bus station, whatever. But we're actually aware of these things. And that, in, in that we don't just blow it off when, when someone is trying to reach out to us yeah. or connect with us. Yeah. And just because it doesn't have to be the thing on our schedule that moment. Mm. But the social media and the internet really has changed things. Like I said in the beginning, I worked over the internet for 12 years. So I can tell you right now that that has definitely changed the way that we do missions and the way that we can get around the world and connect to people. And even though I'm on, I'm on deputation right now in the United States... I still spend quite a bit of time connected to our works that we have over in Europe, in the Middle East. And so it's really, it's, it's definitely changed things, but we want to use it to our advantage to, yeah. to try to get the gospel out there the best we can. Yeah, I like that. Um, I know that it's time consuming on this end, but I like that idea that it allows um, missionaries when they're here in the States to still, still stay connected to the works that are going on, because I know that that can be a challenge whenever missionaries have to come back to raise more money, that the works can suffer sometimes for, for that. So I think it's, you know, it's a pros and cons situation. Like we said before, you got to use it for good and the benefits you can get out of it and not let it overtake your life. <laughs> it's the balance for us all, right? But yeah, yes. I think it's amazing how God is just, even during this time when things have been so bleak and it feels like, you know, I'm thinking back to early, you know, spring 2020 when we're like, well, how are we going to do this? And it's been challenging and it's been difficult, but all of the opportunities and the connections that are able to be made just by pivoting a little bit, just by changing our strategies a little bit, like, I don't know, God knows what he's doing. It it really is interesting because we've had, in some of these cities, uh, like like I remember in Estonia, brother Nate Turner talking about the church there in Tallinn. And, you know, they have the people that were faithful to church. And then when COVID came, they started doing, of course, the live stream. Because for a long time in, in Estonia, you can only have two people in there together, just two. Mm. So it was just him and one other person. And they did all the music and all the preaching and everything, the two of them. 
and he was talking about how his boys went to a school there in Estonia and and they they were connected to the parents there, but those parents were just, they never came to church. Mm. But when they were, when everybody's locked in their homes and the live streams on, guess who's showing up and on the, watching the live stream is his, Mm -hmm. is the parents of the kid, the schoolmates of his boys. Yeah. You know, and some of them have been very faithful with that. And I think it was their Easter service had over a thousand people watching, viewed it online. Yep. It's just God's doing things and yep. and uh, we're going to do our best. You know, we don't rely on that 100%, the social media thing, of course. But it's just like, Lord, we're going to do everything we can. And you, we're like the boy with the loaves and the fishes. We'll give you what we got and please multiply for your glory. <laughs> yes, for sure. <laughs> Take this internet connection, Lord. <laughs> Use yes. it for your glory. <laughs> That's a good one. I like it. <laughs> well, one of the questions that we're asking everybody this season and you can answer all of this or part of this, however you feel. But whenever God takes us out of our comfort zone, and I want to say this because I've asked this question now several times for several different guests, and I want to clarify what I'm talking about. I've asked people, what have you learned about yourself, about the church and about God on the mission field that you might not have learned in North America? And when I say that, it's not meant as a dig at North America, but just the concept of being taken out of what you grew up in and placed into another situation you learn things about yourself, about the church and about God that you might not have learned if you stayed in the same place all of your life. So do you have anything that comes to mind that you feel like has impacted your life just based on that shifting out of your comfort zone? Yes, yes, I do. And this is from my personal life. And I think I also can say that other people have testified the same thing I'm about ready to say is that when you go overseas, and especially if you're in a city or a country where you're it, I mean, Mm -hmm. you are carving something out, you are pioneering something you become desperate. Mm. You are willing to try anything. You're standing there and you're like, okay, Lord, there's 1.8 million people in this city and we're it. Mm. I mean, nobody else is going to do this. And so we're taken out of that familiarity that we, we have and we're put into a, in a spot where like, what do you have to lose? Mm. I mean, you have nothing to lose, but just try to do everything you can possibly imagine to reach somebody. Yeah. And then you start praying like, God, lead me to key people. Lord, I've got to get somebody who can, you know, I can't even speak the language right now. I'm studying it. But Lord, can you lead me to someone who can translate for us? Mm. Lord, um, you know, one of the things we deal with overseas, we're like, Lord, we can't even legally live in this country for more than 90 days. God, please help us so we can live, <laughs> we can get a, you know, give us favor with the government so we can live here longer and establish something. Yeah. I mean, we're, we've got, there's so many things to, to, that need to be done and so much, you become desperate. Yeah. And, and you will push, it'll push yourself, it'll push you out of your comfort zone to do things you never imagined yourself doing. Mm-hmm. And so then, you know, after we've been doing that a while, and some of our aimers say the same thing, they say, man, I, I just, when I get back to North America, I can actually talk to people in my own language. Mm-hmm. And like, I just want to get out and reach people. Yeah. I want to go, like, imagine what I could do, you know, the, the new me that's been formed overseas. If I take that back, what can I do with it? Mm-hmm. It, but that would not have happened if they had not come and gotten out of their comfort zone. Yeah. And it's the same thing with us. Is then you know then when we come back to North America, I'm kind of like, well, how come I when I was young, like myself, I could say when I was younger, why wasn't I this aggressive about trying to see souls come into the kingdom and these things, you know? Mm. And you know I was part of like I mean I did my part in my role, but you just uh, you stretch yourself mm. and you you have to rely on the Lord and work with Him. And it just pushes you so far out of your comfort zone because there's nobody else is going, going to do it. And there's just no other way that you can reach, you know, a foreign culture unless God is with you and you are just pushing yourself as far as you can go. Yeah. Whew. I'm nervous and excited about that part of our own journey. <laughs> but I'm looking, I am looking forward to it because I think that it's, it's just so easy, you know, when, especially and again, I don't mean any kind of dig at North America, but we are we are blessed with so many options, with so much opportunity and so much talent and so much ability in our churches and in our communities that it's really easy to just slide in somewhere and come to church and pay your tithes and worship and pray for somebody in the altar and and to never push into that next level of passion and dedication and commitment. And I think that that word you said, desperation, like I can understand how that would push you into, into that next level like, like nothing else would. If I may add mm-hmm. a little bit to that, 
I, uh, I mean, we push ourselves into that, but even us as missionary supervisors, when people come, we help push them into that sometimes. Mm. I mean, some of them push themselves, but we, we were just talking about internet and social media and these things. And so when we have someone come for a short time, you have to think like, what, what are they there for? Like, you have to ask yourself, what am I there for? Mm. And so it, it's sort of, a, um, I mean, we, we need to be connected. It's important for us to re- be respectful of our pastor and our parents and be connected to certain key people back in North America. But we cannot be using the internet and the social media to just uh, stay up all night talking to our friends back in North America. That's not mm. what we're in the field. And so there has to be a, there has, there has to be like a balance there. Like I said, be respectful. We, we tell our aimers, we encourage them, try to at least, at least once every two weeks have a call with your pastor, pastor's wife, or somebody in your home church that you're staying connected to them. They're still your pastor. You know, be respect, like I said, honor your mother and father, these things like that. But I'm just going to be real blunt here. Don't stay up all night talking to your friends. Yeah. <laughs> you're yeah. not overseas for that. You're overseas for a purpose. Yeah. And so let's, let's fulfill that. Let's do that. Let's push ourselves. Yeah. Be where you are. Right. Yeah. I think that's really, really good. I have a couple more questions for you before we wrap up. One of them is, what is the greatest need you guys have right now? And how can people who are listening who feel moved to help, what can they do? How can they support the work that you guys are doing there in Latvia? Okay, so right now, I mean, there's so many things that come to mind. Uh, Right now, our goal this next term is we have six capital cities that we're going to be recruiting and preparing teams to go to these capital cities. Five of them do not even have a church. Mm. So the team that goes there will be starting and planning that first church in the capital city of an Eastern European country. Mm. And so we have a list of these countries. And we are, um, we, if, if people can pray for these, like Chisinau, Moldova, Podgorica, Montenegro, Pristina, Kosovo, Skopje, North Macedonia, Sofia, Bulgaria, Tirana, Albania, and then, of course, Warsaw, Poland. We have a team in Warsaw. We have a team in Chisinau. And also, we want to pray for Moscow, Russia. Everybody mm. knows Moscow, Russia. They may not know the other ones. They know Moscow. <laughs> Moscow does have a couple of churches in it, but it's over 12 million people. It's the biggest metropolitan area in all of Europe, and they need help. And so we're going to be trying to send teams there and to get more things started. And right now, we could use prayer for these cities. And if people do, you know, if they have an opportunity to give, sometimes just a little bit can go a long ways. Yeah. Like, for example, team going to Warsaw, we, you know, when they got set up there, uh, we wanted to make sure they have like a high capacity printer, that they have a keyboard. There's some basic, you know, musical instruments, some basic things to kind of, they'll start doing services in their homes. And then as they grow out of that, we start doing things like renting a conference room and stuff like that and trying to get that work, get it started, get it off its feet. But if you can remember to pray for the capital cities of Eastern Europe, uh, several of them do not have a church, and I believe in the power of prayer. Yeah. And then if God puts it on your heart to go to some beautiful country in Eastern Europe, Montenegro, Albania, these are on the Mediterranean coast. Who would not <laughs> want to go there? <laughs> and they need someone to go there and start a church. So please, everybody, talk to your pastor or something like that. And and uh, if you get connected to us, we will, we will help get you there. We'll, yes. we'll happily do that. Because God's most valuable resource is people. It's not money. And so we do want the prayer and the finances, but we need people to go. Yeah. And that's the most valuable thing we can do. It's, it's, it's the life that we have that he gave us to give it back to him and to go do his work. I love it. Well, we will definitely make sure that we have um, that list of countries listed in our show notes. I'll do a, I'll even do a social media graphic of that for people if they want to save it and um, use it as a prayer guide. And we will get all of your contact info to to add into these show notes too, for people to reach out if they feel led to do that. And you mentioned earlier some resources um, about cultural anthropology. If you don't mind sharing those with us, we'll also add those in there if anyone was interested for that too. Um, Our last question of the show is always the same question and you hit on this already a little bit. I don't know if you want to talk about it anymore, but it is, what is a good question that you're asking yourself lately? Okay, that's a good question. <laughs> and so normally I'm asking questions either of the Lord or of Google. <laughs> and I was trying to think, what do I even ask myself? Well, lately, as I start to hit middle ages, I ask myself, like, what am I putting in my body? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> we have thoroughly enjoyed the holidays. <laughs> but I'm starting to 
say, you know what? The Lord gave me this and I need to be a good steward of the body mm-hmm. he gave me. And so I'm asking myself that a lot. I'm like, okay, what is this? And what kind of effect is this having on me? Yeah. And yeah, I know. <laughs> is it, are we already moved, have we already moved past the New Year's resolution? <laughs> that didn't take very long. <laughs> uh, no, it's, you're, convic- you're convicting me today. But I have to ask myself sometimes, like I said, what am I putting in, in here? And, um, and what effect is it having on me? And so anyway, oh, um, with the good. help of the Lord, we will be good stewards, right? And that's we'll, right. Um, we'll take care of everything that needs to be taken care of. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's good. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. I've really enjoyed this conversation. I know there's just like so much good stuff to think about in this one. And that's what we're all about here is giving people things to think about. So. I appreciate your time and I appreciate your burden and we'll be praying for you guys as you finish up deputation and head back to Latvia. Well, thank you so much. And I appreciate being able to share with everybody. I just love talking about the things of God and you just, you can't go wrong with that. Just, it's such a joy to work with the Lord. You'll never regret the minute, every minute you work with the Lord. Yes, for sure. And walk with him. So thank you so much. God bless you very much. And we'll have to do this again sometime. Yeah, I'd love to. One of the things I love most is a conversation that balances the spiritual with the practical, because truly God wants to be part of it all. To me, Brother Euchre's insights and counsel demonstrated this beautifully. I am so glad he shared his initial approach to supporting missions for you because like I told him, Dave and I couldn't help but laugh when he told that story at the church today. I also loved his comments about coming out of our comfort zone and becoming desperate. If that part of this episode resonated with you, you'll definitely want to come back for next week's show. You'll find links for all the things we discussed in the show notes. And if you would like a copy of the prayer guide for Capital Cities, come find us this week on Instagram or Facebook. We're at Good Question Show. I'll have that available there. And if you aren't on social media, but you would like a copy of that, just shoot us an email to goodquestionshow at gmail.com. You can follow me on Instagram. I'm at Jessica Tanderup. That's Jessica T, as in Tuesday, A-N-D-E-R-U-P. You can follow our family's journey to Denmark at Tanderups for Denmark. That's Tanderups with an S, the number four, Denmark. This podcast is a production of Good Question Media and is produced and hosted by me, Jessica Tanderup, my co-producer, editor, and the man who first recognized that Team Tanderup wasn't just supposed to support missions with our finances is my husband, Dave Tanderup. Our audio engineer is Josh Pawalczyk. That's it for this week. We'll be back here next Tuesday with another good question. See y'all then.